Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is brought to you by electric e-bikes and super lucky fun frenzy trivia. As part of our American Association for the Advancement of Science interview series, we have an excellent subject and guest in Dr. Jennifer Dill, Director of Transportation and Professor at Portland State University, whom I'll introduce in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 719th episode, and that was with Smithsonian Associate, science writer Jennifer Ackerman, author of the new book, What an Owl Knows, the New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Bird. Two weeks ago, I spoke with University of Michigan's Gerald R. Ford, distinguished professor Dr. Arthur Lupia, who's written recently in Nature magazine about how political endorsements impact scientific credibility. Yep, that's right. These are excellent subjects for our Not Old Better Show audience. If you miss those shows, along with any others, you can go back and check them out along with my entire back catalog of shows all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. You can Google Not Old Better and get everything you need to know about us. E-bikes are soaring in popularity and many cities and states are offering rebates tax credits, or other incentives to purchase them, especially by our Not Old Better Show audience. From trikes to motor assist, pedal assist, hybrids, etc., we are so interested in e-bikes and their mobility, accessibility, and environmental impact that today's interview will spark your interest even more. Our guest today, Dr. Jennifer Dill, a professor of urban studies and planning and director of the Transportation Research and Education Center at Portland State University, will discuss with us all things e-bikes, including e-bike purchasing and ridership trends, the effects of programs incentivizing the purchase of e-bikes, the health and mobility benefits of e-bikes, environmental sustainability of e-bikes compared to gas or electric-powered cars, how e-bikes fit into the transportation landscape in urban, suburban, and rural areas, and e-bikes' effects on road safety for both e-bike riders and other users of the road, including bicyclists, pedestrians, and motorists. This is a wide-ranging, topical, fascinating subject, and one our Dot Old Better Show audience has been requesting more information. I'm happy to bring it to you, and please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast, Dr. Jennifer Dill. Dr. Jennifer Dill, welcome to the program. It's great to see you, and so nice to talk to you about this really, I think, exciting subject. Happy to be here. Good. Well, as somebody who spends their time researching people's decisions about transit, whether it's driving a car, whether it's riding a metro bus, whether it is walking or bicycling, what is it that you think is leading to people's decisions more and more today to ride e-bikes? I think that's on on a lot of our minds these days is the subject of e-bikes. And I know you do a great deal of work in that area. Yeah, thank you. What we have found, we've been doing um, surveys, national surveys of e-bike owners uh, back in 2017 and also before in 2013. And what we're finding is that people are riding e-bikes largely for the reasons why regular or standard bicycles don't really work for them. So, and that includes the physical exertion. So not wanting to arrive at your destination sweaty, or maybe you're, it's too far to get to work or shopping, et cetera. It's just too far to ride a regular bicycle. 
Also, hills are really tough for a lot of people on a standard bike. And so those are some of the big motivations. Um, We do find it varies depending on the type of e-bike owners. So what we have found is um, e-bikes are really popular amongst older adults. So in our survey, 47% of our e-bike owners were aged 55 or older, and they're really interested in using e-bikes for recreation. They're really attracted to that having an easier ride, and often uh, that may go along with health um, issues that they may have as we all age. And on the other hand, younger uh, e-bike owners uh, may be more motivated by replacing car trips and trying to reduce their impact on the environment. And then we find um, women are an increasing segment of e-bike owners, and they're really interested, in addition to that sort of easier ride, are more attracted also to be able to maybe carry their kids or cargo, groceries, et cetera, on their e-bike, and that's motivating them. I'm curious. I'll tell you, just to personalize this a a little bit, I'm I'm 66, so I kind of fall right into that category of those of us who are riding for lots of different reasons. My wife and I share a car and my wife's commute to her work is just a couple miles. I work from home. I'm a freelancer, so I can kind of do what I need to do here. So my e-bike is something that I use to run some errands, some kind of some local errands. It's an economic choice as much as it is a choice for fitness and health and and the environment. I wonder if you're seeing some of that, that due to some of the economic certainty um, from kind of an, a, a demographic perspective, are there some who are thinking about this as, you know, kind of an economic choice? Certainly. We've seen uh, that some people are seeing that maybe they can give up one of the two cars in their household, for example. And that I think goes along with different types of e-bikes. And so just the standard two wheel and a seat type of e-bike, we're seeing increasingly what we call cargo e-bikes, where you can more easily carry kids, groceries, take someone, your spouse out on a date one evening, something like that. And so those types of vehicles really can replace a car for a lot of trips. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, I have the cargo model. I I'm not sure that my wife is really comfortable, truly hopping on the back and, you know, especially <laughs> with me at the helm. I, I don't know if that's, that that might, that might be a little bit of a, of a, a stopper there for her, but, but nonetheless, um, the bike I have is a foldable bike. And so I wonder if you talk to us a little bit about some of the trends in purchasing are some of the bikes, the e-bikes that we're seeing just modifications of standard two-wheel bicycles? Are they exclusively e-bikes in terms of their power uh, source and generation? Are trikes, you know, the tricycle type, are they more popular in my age group? I have a sense as to this, but I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about the research. Yeah, so definitely these days. So back in 2013, when we surveyed e-bike owners, uh, about half of them had actually converted a standard bike with a kit to an e-bike. In 2017, only 20% of our e-bike owners had done that. So more and more people are purchasing, you know, e-bikes from the beginning. And more and more of those e-bikes really are designed as e-bikes. They are not just a motor added on to a standard uh, model of a bike. There's many companies out there that basically that's all they do is e-bikes. And then they're really designed as an e-bike from the beginning. The other thing in, in the U.S., at least, most of the states have adopted a classification system for e-bikes, so how they're regulated. And 
most two of those classifications of e-bikes are what we call pedal assist or electric assist. In other words, you have to pedal for the bike to move. It will not go with the um, electric motor on its own. And those are capped at either 20 miles an hour or 28 miles an hour. And there is one classification that does have a throttle. So the bike would um, go without you pedaling, but that does uh, cap out at 20 miles an hour. Hi, it's Paul. I mentioned our sponsor today, Electric E-Bikes. And I'm going to just start with this. I'm a dad, a father of two boys who I love very much. On the off chance that they're listening to my show, please know, boys, I know it's hard to find the right Father's Day gift. I'm a son, too, and I've had tons of experience tracking down the notoriously difficult best gift for a dad who's hard to buy for. If you're struggling with what to get your dad this Father's Day, give him the gift of a fun, powerful, and easy way to get outside and explore with his own electric e-bike. I'll tell you that I just love my electric e-bike, and I have ditched a second car in our family to save money, save on gas, and do my part to save the planet and the environment. Errands, trips to the post office, the gym, it is my go-to mode of transportation these days. I've always loved riding bikes, and now with my electric e-bike, I get outside, I see the scenery close up, I enjoy the biking community, and I pedal up the steep hills right around where we live, getting a great workout too. Electric e-bikes offer many quality, feature-filled models financed as low as $73 a month, so your adventures won't cost you a fortune. Electric e-bikes include a powerful removable battery, a bright LCD display, seven-speed gearing, and five levels of pedal assist to power your ride up those steep hills. (laughs) The tires are fat, and I ordered the comfort package seat, which makes the ride nice on my old butt. (laughs) I added a cargo basket, too, so my electric e-bike is capable of hauling and delivering tons of stuff right along with me. My electric e-bike is foldable, meaning you can literally fold it in half and transport it to a nearby bike trail, a mountain bikeway, or some other cool spot to ride. Plus, I can roam along at up to 28 miles an hour with a twist of my throttle and use the pedal assist for exercise. It's great stuff. And I've had a great time on my bike so far. Everywhere I go, people offer compliments and ask me questions. So this year for Father's Day, skip the played out gifts and give your dad the gift of adventure with a electric e-bike. Visit electricebikes.com to learn more and explore the epic models electric has to offer. That's electric, L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. All of this will be in our show notes today. So please check it out. I will be right back with our guest today, e-bike expert and Portland State University professor, Dr. Jennifer Dill. I mentioned our sponsor today, Fun Frenzy Trivia. And in honor of that great game and all its myriad trivia questions, here's an exclusive one. During your morning routine, name something you'd hate to discover wasn't working. The answers, 45% said shower. Yeah, for sure. And that's me. Absolutely. You know what else is me? I love trivia. 
and Fun Frenzy Trivia is a free mobile trivia game with over 60 different categories, including music, TV, animals, and celebrities. If you choose the most popular answers to each question and beat the clock, you move on to the next level. You know, it sounds simple, but the questions get harder over time. But if you get stuck, don't worry. You can use coins and gems to get hints that beat that level. If you love trivia like I do, you will love Fun Frenzy Trivia. As we age, our ability to retain information decreases. Fortunately, the more we draw on facts and information we've memorized over the years, the more likely they are to stay with us. Fun Frenzy Trivia acts as a workout for the frontal cortex, and like any workout, it strengthens that part of your brain and keeps the mind sharp. We all need that in our Not Old Better Show audience. That's one of the reasons I love Fun Frenzy Trivia. It's a great game. It's a workout. It keeps me very clear on the right answer to the question about Hating to discover something not working in my morning routine. (laughs) Fun Frenzy Trivia is an exciting brand new game on the App Store from the creators of the number one trivia app, Trivia Star. Download Fun Frenzy Trivia today to challenge yourself. Just go to Apple or Google Store and search for Fun Frenzy Trivia. Download Fun Frenzy Trivia for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. Thanks, everybody. And now back to our interview with Dr. Jennifer Dill, Professor of Urban Studies and Planning and Director of the Transportation Research and Education Center at Portland State University. We're going to talk about some of the trends and innovations of e-bikes. So stay tuned. It's fascinating stuff. I really think that there's you know, an enormous future ahead for some of these bikes. And, and, I, and I think that the, the trends around... Um, you know, the subject of, of health are important ones, just as the trends around some of the purchasing models are important ones. And you talked about kind of some of the states and their various provisions and classifications and, and uh, you know, kind of the, the various step downs in terms of the power. What are some of the trends around state rebates too? Because I know that that will factor into my audience's interests in terms of, well, how do I get one? Exactly. Uh, so at Portland State University, we are um, keeping an inventory of all sorts of incentive programs across the U.S., at least that are offered uh, to the public. And we're finding everything um, from rebates and um, at point of purchase or after the fact, um, e-bike lending programs, free e-bikes, tax rebates, all sorts of things. And these types of programs are really becoming popular and spreading and particularly going from the local level to the state level. At last count, we have found at least 70 active pilot or adopted programs in the U.S., another 33 uh, proposed. And I think they really are important, particularly for lower income households, because um, e-bikes are not necessarily cheap, especially a high quality one. And the price of a typical e-bike ranges from about $1,000 to over $5,000. And so that incentive, which is um, often ranges from as low as $100 um, to over $1,500, depending on the style of bike, uh, can really make a difference in whether or not a household could afford to purchase one. Mm-hmm. What about where people live? I mean, it would make sense that if you're 
living in the Southwest and you have a lot of sunshine and you have opportunities to ride on dirt, you might have a fatter tire model. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the demographics around kind of where you live and, you know, kind of your, your interest in, in purchasing e-bikes. And to that extent, are e-bikes universally embraced by kind of all demographics? Are there some demographics, some populations that just haven't yet seen the need or even shown an interest in e-bikes? I would say that the demographic demographics of people who are purchasing e-bikes is somewhat similar to standard bikes but e-bikes do expand the demographics a bit. So in our first survey back in 2013 of e-bike owners, um, only about 15% of those bikes were owned by women. And in 2017, we saw that number almost doubled uh, to 28%. So we're finding that it's expanding some of those demographics. We also found um, that uh, a large share of e-bike owners are uh, 55 or older, which contrasts with who we know rides regular or standard bicycles. So it is expanding um, the demographics into some groups that traditionally don't ride standard bicycles. In terms of geography, one thing that's really clear is that an e-bike does allow you to ride farther for the same amount of effort, which mm -hmm. makes it should make it more attractive in suburban or more rural locations. So talk to us a little bit about the sustainability aspect, the environmental aspect, because that's all that's on all of our minds too. this, you know, climate and what it's doing throughout the world, particularly to to my age group who are experiencing isolation and in larger percentages. What does the era of e-bikes do about some of the environmental sustainability questions? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of evidence out there that e-bikes really can be a solution to reducing carbon emissions and, you know, other negative effects um, from using private automobiles, um, gasoline-powered automobiles in particular. What we have found is that e-bike owners um, use their e-bikes for the types of things that they would be using a car for. So we found that, you know, over half of the trips that they make on an e-bike are to places like commuting, errands, shopping, et cetera. And they tell us that two thirds of those trips they would have made in a personal car if they hadn't ridden their e-bikes. So we are seeing that e-bikes are substituting uh, for more polluting modes of transportation. Um, and they're also allowing people to use e-bikes for longer trips, trips that they normally wouldn't uh, ride a regular bicycle for. We're also seeing a lot of health benefits. Uh, there, I think there's a myth out there that e-bikes are cheating and you don't get health benefits. Um, and the research is very clear that you do. Uh, while it might be at a lower intensity, um, you still are getting that moderate or vigorous physical activity that doctors recommend we get. And we find that e-bike owners are actually using their bikes more and uh, traveling farther on them. So there is a great health benefit. Dr. Dill, one final question. I, I'll tell you, I'm a AAAS uh, member on the on the journalist side, and and I so appreciate your willingness to spend some time with us and talk to us about some of these issues because they are they're, they're, I think they're so important to all of us, but in particular, my age group, for a lot of the reasons that you've been talking about. And so maybe maybe send us out with a final message about how we 
how we get up some more support for e-bikes and kind of get this initiative into the conversation so that people are embracing it and excited and as enthusiastic as as I am and you are. <laughs> well, I think that enthusiasm, what I've seen is a lot of it is um, personal networking, you know, talking to people. My experience with e-bike owners is that they love to share and they love to talk with people about their e-bikes and share that fun, which is something we found in our research is a lot of e-bike owners just say it is fun uh, to ride an e-bike. And I think that's really important. There's a, there's a lot of science that shows us when people are enjoying how they travel, it's going to impact their overall well-being. And I think it's really important to tell those stories and to get away from some of these um, biases uh, from some people who say, you know, it's cheating. Because what we found is, you know, over 20% of e-bike owners tell us that they wouldn't be able physically to ride a standard bicycle. And so it is opening up all sorts of other possibilities for them to get places and engage outdoors and get that activity. Well, uh, Dr. Jennifer Dill, it's, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And here's hoping that I'll, I'll see you out on the trail on our e-bikes and I'll, I'll wave and give you a thumbs up. But I'm so grateful for your, uh, you know, all the research that you're doing on this subject and for the time that I've had with you. Thanks so much. Congrats on this work and this research. And please come back and talk to us more about this subject. I know our audience is going to be really interested in it. All right. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. My thanks to our guest today, Dr. Jennifer Dill, Professor of Urban Studies and Planning and Director of the Transportation Research and Education Center at Portland State University. My thanks to Electric Bikes and Super Lucky Fun Frenzy Trivia for sponsoring today's show. Please support our sponsors as they support the show. And check out our show notes today for links to each one of the sponsors and more information. My thanks to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week.